Hi, good morning everybody um, and welcome to a very special edition of the Mediacom Connected podcast for um, uh, Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, I'm delighted to say we've, we've gone completely off format, we've shaken everything up and we have um, uh, John Beersworth um, here to tell us our story today. Hello. Hi John, you're, you're, you're very welcome on our, our, our unique you. podcast experience. Um, John works in uh, content uh, as a director, sitting astride TED and MBA. He's, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the most creative and uh, innovative people that I've worked with um, over my time at Mediacom um, and has built his career, in fact, on on creativity and and probably always questioning what the norm is and saying, is there a better way of doing it? Um, And his particular... He's um, set up uh, Future Creatives, which is a content project that we're going to hear hopefully a bit about in a minute um, and is one of our expert resources on both youth and innovation. So, John, tell us about your day job and your role at Mediacom. Let's kick off with what you're doing now. Um, Well, at the moment, um, I'm working on content projects um, for a lot of the clients in TED, so um, PlayStation, um, JD Sports and Universal Pictures. But um, one of the things that's taken up a lot of my time at the moment is um, setting up a product called Future Creatives. Um, we've been working on youth clients in TED for years, and what we've noticed through research over the past two years is that Gen Z um, act and behave in a completely different way um, to generations before them. So what we've been doing um, is looking at ways to involve young people in the response to creative briefs um, as much as possible and that's led us to recruit a network of um, 16 to 19 year olds um, creative talent who are still in school um, that we're going to work with on an ad hoc basis on briefs um, for um, briefs that are aimed at them um, which we um, believe is going to give us a huge amount of insight that leads into ideas that genuinely land with the audience it's a huge opportunity there isn't there yeah i think so so i I think on the let's just say on the on the day job if anybody out there has got a brief for that age group for that cohort please please email john give john a call um whatsapp john whatever um but that's not why you're here today no so you're here today to tell us about how you've got here today and some some something about your journey here over the last Years. Mm-hmm. How long have you been at Mediacom? So I've been at Mediacom this time, nine years, um, but previous to that, um, with a four or five year gap in the middle, I did a year and a half um, mm. when I first um, started in the industry, right. so, in the uh, response team at um, what was formerly called Direct. Oh, with David Coffin? Yeah. Well, that must have been bracing. Yeah, yeah. Good, a, a good introduction <laughs> good, to the industry. Too good to the bait, good, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, tell us why, you, why you're here today. Um, I'm here today because um, I am a mental health ally at Mediacom and um, we've been thinking about ways to um, start conversations around mental health mm. um, at Mediacom and I have a story that I thought would be useful to share. Um, there's actually going to be um, a written piece going out this week as part of mental health awareness to all staff but um, we thought it might be um, useful to talk through um, some of the things that I've learned around working through um, trauma that has um, resulted in um, mental health issues mm. um, that have made at times it very difficult 
to work and to actually um, being able to imagine to work normally again. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the main things that I got into my head when I wasn't well was that I wouldn't be able to hold the job down again. Mm. And I sort of hadn't expected to have ambition and drive to mm. pursue a career again. Yeah. So, um, and throughout that whole time, I was still working with Mediacom mm. um, and I was supported and we got to a place where um, I am today and I'm in a much better place and more focused on my career and that was something that I wasn't expecting to actually help improve other areas of my life. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't expect it was going to turn around. Yeah, I'm not saying that it was work that, that was the saviour but it was one of the contributing factors yeah. um, to be able to take pride in what I was doing and find that I was getting um, rewarded, rewarding myself with sort of the work I was doing was um, had a big impact on my overall mental health. So it's, look, it's it's really not easy to talk about this. It's also slightly weird for us to be talking with microphones in between yeah. us as well. <laughs> so um, what what can you tell us? Because we're kind of aware, aren't we, that yeah. there are other people out there who might be having a really difficult time. Um, and um, that you might be sitting next to somebody, even if you're feeling fine yourself, who's having a very difficult time. What, what, what would you what would you tell us about about your experience? So, I mean, essentially, it was it's around about four years ago. Um, I suffered um, pro- what you would describe a serious um, emotional trauma, and it and it really did change my life. It turned mm. the whole my whole life upside down. I don't want to go into the detail of what mm. happened because. It's personal. It's personal and it would um, take a lot longer than this podcast to, to describe exactly what had happened. But it, it affected me in a way that I, I kind of, on around the time it happened, I, I tried to resign from Mediacom because I just, I couldn't envisage um, staying in London and going back to work. Mm. And I was very lucky at the time to have a boss um, who doesn't actually work at Mediacom anymore, but Akimanda. Mm. Um, she instantly just signed me off with a two-month sabbatical to give me some time to think yeah and in that time I am um, I'd gone back um, home to stay with family in Leeds and I decided that I wasn't going to um, come back to London and mm. um, and again Mediacom were great in that they sorted for me to transfer to the north and then over the course of the next year um, I tried to work through quite serious um, issues with depression and anxiety um, and suicidal thoughts whilst trying to live in a new city because I'd actually transferred to the Manchester office but also in an office where I didn't really know anyone Mm -hmm. so I was kind of isolated from a personal and professional Mm -hmm. um, level Um, and it without really thinking about it too much and I look back now in the way I was the way I was living and the way I was trying to go to work I was probably going to the office two days a week managing to sort of keep my head above water um, working on the briefs that were absolutely necessary um, but by no means was I working at sort of a full capacity and there was no sort of drive from my side to to think about what I wanted to do with my career Um, it was more just a box ticking exercise to make sure that I was able to pay the rent basically which would have been alright if that was making you feel better but it actually wasn't right well I wasn't really dealing with the problems at the yeah. time and I think there was a there was a, a turning point um, when I decided to get help I think 
that really took about a year for me to really start thinking about um because originally what you thought is basically you, you thought i'm escaping london yeah i'm going i take and, myself and, out of the situation and you didn't think about what would ha- happen where you got to yeah you kind of just escaped from i kind of just trusted that a change of scenery would be the thing yeah. that i needed and then i would just be able to get on with my life yeah and i think that's the thing with trauma you can't really run away from it and it will catch up with you yeah um, there's, there's, there's that ha- song that uh, wherever you go you take the weather with you <laughs> yeah essentially yeah. and i was in manchester and it was raining it was raining really <laughs> so actually the weather was worse yeah. yeah um i think there is obviously the stigma with it i was somebody that had never expected to be on medication antidepressants mm. and i had seen a grief counselor but I hadn't done um, proper sort of talking therapy or CBT. Yeah. So it was about a year after I was living in Manchester that um, I started therapy combined with sertraline, which is an antidepressant that specifically helps with anxiety. Um, I think the medication gave me the headspace to um, think a little clearer and the therapy was the thing that started to get me to address um, my issues and think about what I wanted to do um, and that was very much the starting point of a journey because that was three years ago um, and it took around about a year of that to realise that I wanted to move back to London um, and that was a scary prospect yeah. um, the easy bit was talking to Mediacom um, and saying that I would like to transfer back. Mm. The hard bit was actually committing to that decision because I was in a way settled in the home that I had in Manchester. Yeah. And the thought of moving back was... Um, brave, apart from anything Brave, else. but also it, it, it kicked off significant waves of anxiety that would leave me yeah. um, paralysed at, at the house some days. I wouldn't yeah. be able to leave the house. Um, and then the weekend that I was due to move down, um, I mean, it, it is kind of funny, but it's kind of not. I, I was on the phone cancelling um, my Virgin Broadband and booking removal men. Mm. And then half an hour later would reverse both those things. Then half an hour later would reverse it again wow. um, to the point where the removal men stopped answering the phone. <laughs> And I couldn't move. They, they probably get it all the time. Yeah, and it was. And that was something that I had to sort of really understand that yeah. contradicting thoughts in your head are can can exist. How did you... And you have to accept them. How did you deal with it on the on the, that weekend? Well, I didn't move, I didn't move out of the house so you, in the end. I so left you, my house as it was. Right. Um, I didn't take up a place to live in London. And I stayed with friends. And I had about a four-month period where I was getting used to being back working in the office but I would regularly be going back to your house back to to Manchester say on a Wednesday and I wouldn't be coming back into the London office till Tuesday and working in between do you think you needed that do you think that that was a that was like the kind of yeah it was a hard it's one of those halfway houses things that I was essentially um because that's not that's not a terrible thing I mean as you describe it now it probably felt like a compromise at the time but as you describe it now you kind of go yeah well that makes what a massive amount of sense yeah it was something that I tried I was I almost thought was going to be a a long term yeah a long term um, a long term plan um, 
but it again it was one of those things that it, it couldn't have gone on forever because um, I wasn't really able to move my life forward mm. I was living in a sort of a limbo between mm. the two mm. and again that that's fine for it, a bit. the impact that that had on my mental health was that I wasn't actually feeling settled I didn't mm. essentially have a home I was staying with friends which was great but you didn't have that time when you got home and you closed the door and you were in your own space which I think um, at the time for me was was mm. really important so it did I, it got to one of the, the breaking sort of a breaking point when I had to just commit find somewhere to live down here yeah. and then um, moved out of the place in Manchester so and um, there's so much stigma isn't there still about taking antidepressants about getting therapy and yet I mean one of the things that you and I were talking about the other day um, every pretty much everybody's got something yeah I think that's the you when you're in a position where you're not you're not coping you look to everyone and see that they are coping they, would, everyone looks perfect I would they? see everything that yeah. I felt that my that I had lost in other people's lives constantly yeah. um, and would gloss over even with my closest friends I knew it like you know you know what your friends are going through yeah. and I would gloss over every problem they had and just see the positives in their life and I would ignore every positive in my life and just concentrate on what I believed um, that I was missing, um, which was hugely destructive. And again, that was, I was saying that sort of the journey that I've gone on through therapy is that it wasn't that I was gonna get to a point where in therapy where I was like, oh, I'm cured now. No. Um, when I moved to London, I switched to a new person that I'm seeing in Holborn, um, and there was there was times there when it it was I had to talk constantly. Mm -hmm. So I actually did. There was a time when I felt particularly out of control, and it was when it was around the time that I was trying to commit to um, living down here. Mm. I took a day off work, and I did an entire day with my therapist wow. with a lunch break because um, I just felt I was every time in a session I was felt like I was I was making progress yeah, but I never yeah. felt like I was ready to stop talking because yeah. it was it felt like there was so much so inside much. that had to come out so we we did a we did a sort of an immersive day to to get through problems um, and for me to arrive quicker at a solution that was going to give me the the clarity did, that would give that me because um, they sometimes say it's the gaps between the sessions that are when the, you do the work um it did for me it, did, it, yeah, it, so it depends yeah. it, it wasn't like i had a i came out of the session feeling Wait. i'm fine <laughs> but it is i mean yeah. therapy works in that it's one of those things you kind of don't notice what's happening until it's yeah. happened sometimes yeah um and I still see my therapist every six weeks. Yeah. Um, more for a check-in. Yeah. It's it's less about now that it's a necessity that I have to go and speak about things, but I st store things up. Yeah. And then once, once every few through. weeks, go in and yeah. talk them through and yeah. and get a, a good, an interesting perspective yeah. on any part of my life. Sometimes we're not even we don't even touch on the trauma anymore. We just talk yeah. about generally what's going on in life. Because well, everything relates. Everything's to everything connected, else. and it's a very different relationship to a friend or a family member yeah. who have a vested interest in you in a different way and, and they know a, a lot of different sides to you 
a therapist knows the specifics around why you're you think like you do and they will be tough with you when you need them to be yeah and it, it in a way that a friend might not it feels impartial and i think yeah. that that is the major also they're difference. trained right yeah and and i think that's one of the things that some sometimes happens is that you go and pour your heart out to a friend and they're massively sympathetic and empathetic but that's not the same as actually getting professional advice. It's a bit like going to your friend and going, um, "I've cut my finger," and then and them going, "That's that's awful. You're bleeding. <laughs> oh, 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 you poor thing." Yeah. Actually, you, you needed to go to a doctor and get a stitch. It's a yeah. it's a it's a, and I, I I I certainly think that's a message for anybody out there is that sometimes you need to talk to someone that's trained. Yeah, not just your mates. I mean, that is a good that is that is a good point in the way people view getting help and I think the medical yeah. analogy you just made is that sort of I had an emotional trauma that was very significant and if, if I'd had a physical trauma so like a exactly. car crash yeah. I would have been taken to hospital yeah. and I would have been would have been no question whether I was going to get treated for what had happened yeah. um, but there was no urgency with what happened to me no one around me had no one around me had any real expertise. Yeah. Um, so people were able to give advice, but not able to give too much advice because they kind of felt out their depth. Yeah. I had quite a strange time with my mum actually through it all because <coughs> she had an opinion on what she what she thought I should do, mm. um, which didn't actually it jarred with what I wanted to do. Mm. And she found it all quite difficult, mm. but then couldn't articulate yeah. what she wanted to say because she wasn't. Yeah. Tra she just she didn't have the tools and that to do it at the time. That was to. And it did. It had an impact on our relationship yeah. for for quite a while. But we've we've obviously I think therapy gave me the tools to give to have that conversation, yeah. um, and to to move that relationship forward and yeah. make and significantly improve it from previous anyway so so you, yeah you were doing the work actually and and, mm. and she she has got better in a way as yeah. Well. yeah which i think is one of the things that happened. Mm. what else would you like to if anybody's out there feeling awful or you know what would you say to them if they're going through something i think um there's two ways to look at it i think from a um from a from a personal perspective, mm. um, I think speaking to somebody is, and that can be a family member initially, mm. Mm. whoever it is more comfortable for you to speak to in, yeah. in the first instance, talk to someone. Because it wasn't something that was part of my life. I didn't talk about my problems. I never really opened up. Mm. Um, You're quite a private yeah, person. I am, and I'm I, I'm close with the friends that my my family yeah. and my friends, but even with them, I wouldn't be regularly talking about what was on my mind and how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're in that mindset and you're not doing great, you will go inwards. You internalize. Yeah, and and you listen to those voices, those negative voices, and that's well, you just rationalize something. There's no there's no one there. You don't have an external voice to sound things out with so you become your own sounding board um, and you can normalize um, you can normalize thoughts and behavior and what you're describing is being very very tough on yourself and, and probably 
tougher on yourself than you would have been on a friend of yours that was going through yeah. something similar. And I think, yeah, normalising negative behaviour towards yourself is can be dangerous. Um, and trying to think about like that point you just made about how what would have, what would you, what would your best friend say to you yeah. um, is a good way to look at it. But talking to people and I think removing the stigma with um, speaking to a therapist. Yeah. Um, because we're really lucky at Mediacom. Um, I literally had to make one phone call to Booper, yeah. and I was I saw somebody. I ended up seeing somebody like on the day. I had to pay for that session and then I got it back we later are. from Booper because it was I, yeah. I, I had to see somebody the day when I first saw I seen a therapist. Cause and that's not what a normal person's experience is no. in the outside world. We are very lucky. It's a good point mm. to make. Um, and I also think from a professional level, um, I think it's finding the people within the organisation that you can speak to too. Yeah. I think the Mental Health Ally Scheme is, um, is amazing in that it's doing that. And there's a big... Lots of pictures of the yeah. people. And I think all of whom are we're not, we're not in the atrium. Trained experts by any stretch of the imagination. No. But I think it's just an external conversation about something that's happening in your head will always give you a different perspective. And you have had some training, right? Yes. Yes. So we should say that. I'm yeah. not a qualified psychologist. No, not, not not a doctor, but, yeah. but you've all been on a training course. But yeah, we we have been trained on how to be mental health yeah. allies, on how to um have a conversation, how to signpost people and how to keep people safe. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the main thing. I think at the time I was very lucky um, um, when I was back at Mediacom, um, my boss Sonia Arthur, who is also a mental health ally, um, was amazing and was just able to make me feel that um, A, that I was safe in my job yeah. and B, that I was supported in my job. Yeah. And and that people first we actually really mean it yeah that's that's genuinely how it felt and it was it's like okay what what do we need to do right now yeah. to make your day-to-day -day job better um and to make the situation work for you and then when you're ready yeah. how do we move things forward and that's been that was a turning point that was about two years ago um i think i'd be back about three or four months when we started thinking about what i could do in ted and mba and then what else I want to do within the organisation, yeah. which is where working on clients like PlayStation allowed me to do research into the youth market, which has led to the product Future Creatives. So, so um, are there any other lessons you think you want to learn? Or I think from your experience, out of the things I've said, I mean, the sort of my major learnings personally for myself, the things that I've taken away from this are what you have talked about already like talking and getting help yeah um time is the old age old cliche mm. um but that's something to always remember that it's never always going to be like this yeah um it feels everything like it always is, changes yeah. um it will get better sometimes it gets worse yeah. but it will always it change yeah. um I was very focused on fixing things and I felt like I could do that myself. Yeah. So constantly moving. Yeah. It was things that were actually making making it worse for myself. Yeah. Isolating myself, making life harder. Yeah. But I was enable I just wasn't able to sit back and let the feelings pass. I felt like I had to do something about it. 
that's a great that's a great expression i think that's I mean, I sometimes think that um, it's like being um, squashed by a wave at the seaside. Yeah. And, you know, actually you can't fight the wave because if you fight the wave, you're just going to choke on the seawater. But if mm. you wait, it does pass. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, another one might come along. Yeah. But that will pass as well. And when the time is right, the tides will change. And as you, through things like talking to your friends and getting help, you learn about yourself and you learn how to cope better um, with situations. Yeah. Um and the that only makes th- you the person who you are now today. Yeah, totally. Like I, like I said at the beginning, I think I've been forever changed by what happened to me, in the same way that everyone's constantly being changed by their experiences yeah. in life. Um, so you sort whether of, you want to be or not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you learn from your experiences, um, and you just have to take the lessons. Yeah. And um, just what's next? What's next? Um, You've gone global. Um, (laughs) yes we are looking to set up future creatives in australia the us china and russia currently so cool which is excellent russia is interesting yeah Yeah. well i think it's look it under this product will allow you to understand the nuances between um youth in all different markets and also to understand the um the similarities as well and how connected they are because they're Mm. connected in a way that uh so my generation wasn't one mm-hmm. we were that age. Yeah, whereas the technology yeah. is similar in most territories, yeah. how yeah. they're using it is going to yeah. be different, yeah. um, and the languages that they're using, um, etc. So I think it's it's a really exciting time to be working on this audience. So. Yeah. Well, cool. John, thank you so much for sharing no, your story you. today. And um, uh, if you see John around, say hi. Cheers.